Hello, what's up, and welcome to Hockey Talk, your regular hockey podcast which talks about what's going on in the NHL and hockey history in general. I'm your host, Wilsey Woodsworth, and today me and guest Mike Woodsworth, who, by the way, in case you've been listening to my podcast, we've been doing many Habs episodes together. Anyway, we will be discussing our all-time Montreal Canadiens teams. Hi, Dad. Hi, Will. I think this is a perfect Habs thing to be doing. We are a few hours away from the first appearance of the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Final in 28 years. And what are we doing? Sitting around talking about the past. That's what Habs fans do. It's like that that joke, uh, how many Habs fans does it take to screw in a light bulb? No, no, no. None. They just sit in the dark and talk about the good old days. No, no. <laughs> isn't, isn't the joke that what, haps in, what happens when a Habs fan light bulb goes out? He just sits around and mourns the old ones. <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> All right, well, let's sit around and talk about the past. Can we talk about the present for a minute? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I think we're going to dedicate another podcast to the Habs present, but sure. Stanley Cup final starts tonight. What's going to happen, Will? Um, okay, so I've made varying clear p- predictions. I'm saying Habs in six the same way Tampa won last year. So I'm saying Tampa wins one, Habs win two, three, four, Tampa wins five, Habs win six, and Tampa wins five in overtime. Wow, that is remarkably specific. Yeah. Well, it's gonna it's gonna come true. Yeah? I think. Well that's it. Okay. If I if I didn't think it was gonna come true, I wouldn't have predicted that. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um Did you hear that Joel Armia is in the COVID protocol? What happened? I don't know. I guess he got COVID. This could be bad news. I mean, we don't know if anyone else on the team has it, do we? That's very bad news. Armia's been top five player on the team this playoffs. Yeah, he's been excellent. Um, is Jake Evans healthy enough to come back in? Will they bring in Tatar? Will they bring in my boy Alex Bezil? But they wouldn't bring in... I mean... Unless they move to Foley to the right wing, which is, I'm, um, which is unlikely given the success of the Toffoli Suzuki Caulfield line. So they couldn't bring in Tatar because Armia's your right wing. Yeah, but I mean, who are they going to bring in instead? Evans. Ooh, is he know. healthy? I'm Evans is a center, though. Yeah, but he plays the wing as well. That's. That's a tough spot that the Habs are in right now with without Armia. Armia this playoffs has five goals and eight points in seventeen games. Not great, not incredible, but he's leading the team in goals this playoffs. He is, and um great penalty killer. He's been a big part of that penalty kill that hasn't given up a goal in like sixteen months or whatever it is. Well thirty games. Not thirty games. Yeah, thirty or I mean, apparently they've given up three power play goals, right, this playoffs? And they've scored four? All were against the Leafs. Okay, so I don't think it's been 30 games. Oh, wait, no, not 30 games. 13. We only played 17 games, right? I think I I meant 13. I'm sorry. Well, I like your prediction. I'm happy to back that. I'm not very confident, to be honest. Con Smythe? I mean, it's Price if they win. And Con Smythe for the Lightning if they win. This one's tough, but I think there's a clear front runner in my opinion. Yeah, who? Braden Point. I agree. 
He should have got it last year, maybe. Yeah, I feel like this this is a trend that NHL voters often do this too, where if someone gets ripped off of an award, they often give it to them next year, mm-hmm. even if <laughs> even if like there is someone else who could have won it. But that's it's a trend that has happened in the NHL a lot. I think that's true. They do like to give it to a a losing a losing goalie too. So it could be Price could get it even if they lose. Yeah, he he could. Price is Price has been great statistically this playoffs, but just watching him, he's always in the right position, except for one like Shea Theodore does that ridiculous fake shot, but no goalie in the NHL would be in the right position there. Well, except for when he's not in the right position and makes these incredible saves. Yeah, he has but, all those spectacular saves. Though, yeah, but he isn't. He, but the the only reason he makes those saves is because his positioning is so good. Yeah, maybe so. His the way his lateral movement is amazing. He goes side to side so well. Anyway, um, to our all time team, would you like to announce your first line first? Well, let's let's figure out what we're what we're going for here before before I make my picks. So. What are the parameters? What are we looking for? Are we looking for a team that's going to win you one game? Are we looking for a team that's going to win you an entire season? What are we trying to build here? Okay, so basically the idea is you get all of these players' careers for the time they were with the Habs. So look, if someone played if someone played 3 100-point seasons and another person played 10 80-point seasons, then if you're if you wanting like peak value, then you get a hundred point guy, but he only lasts you three years with the hundred points. But is this a team that's playing one game, or is this a franchise? That's, franchise. It's a franchise that's built to built to sustain for, excellence. So are we getting like, all, the, like the Habs in real life? Yeah, but are we getting all of these guys like at the start of their careers, or are we getting them at their peak? At the start of their careers, and then later they'll move into their peak. Okay, so I'm not getting, I don't get to just pick like 1976 Pete Mahovlich when he scored more points than anybody else other than Guy Lafleur in Habs history. 117 is a lot. Yeah. Pete Mahovlich is a sneaky, sneaky all-time Habs great. Yeah, I was actually thinking about him and then I looked over at the Habs left wing and like there's, there's not too many open spaces to say the least. He could play center too though, right? Pete Mahovlich? He could, but centers center even. positions even more clogged. Well, good we mentioned him because he is your grandma's all-time favorite hab. True. Dashingly handsome, six foot four, one of the great great big men according to that book of yours. Yeah, it's it's funny. He was he was six four, but when you watch the old footage, he seemed so much bigger. Did he have like stilts on when he played or something? <laughs> I think the average player was smaller. Yeah, he seems massive, but he's very silky. Anyway, all right. I guess Pete Mahovlich isn't making our team. I don't but you even get, think you get he's the, the best left wing out of his brothers in Habs history. True, but peak Pete Mahovlich was insanely true, good. True. As was peak Frank Mahovlich. But his peak was like split between Maple Leafs. Habs. So Frank Mahovlich is a good other. If if I take Frank Mahovlich, I'm not getting Frank Mahovlich Leafs version as well. No, I'm not no. getting his whole career. It's just, just for getting what his you did with the Habs. Although he was their leading scorer when he was on the Habs. Yeah, he was. He was great. He Led was him to a couple cups. Probably their best skater on the 1971 team. Yeah, I agree. 
Dryden won the Conn Smythe, so, you know, maybe he was their best player on that team, but in terms of skaters, I'd say he was their best. All right, that sounds good. And speaking Other of 71, okay, yeah. I'm, a lot of people are saying this team feels like 93 and 86, just like we said, but I feel like in terms of underdog story, this team is actually resembles the 71 Habs a bit more. The 71 Habs were against a Bruins team who was completely stacked with players in their peak. And that 71 Habs team was like the end of the 60s and the start of the 70s. And they were just sort of mixed and trying to find their footing. I have to say, <clears throat> I think the, the, the narrative of the 71 Habs as being the underdogs, they are the most overrated underdogs in history. The 71 Habs roster had Jean Béliveau, Yvan Cornoyer, Jacques Lemaire, Henri Richard, Guy Lapointe, Frank Mahovlich, Pete Mahovlich. But Bevo was old. Jacques Laperriere, Serge Savard. I mean, it's it, Ken Dryden. They had what, like 10 Hall of Famers on their team? And they were two years removed from winning their fourth cup in five years. Okay, good point. <laughs> I mean, they were amazing. And Bevo actually, he was old. Do you want to know what his year was that year as a 39-year-old? I do want to know. 76 points in 70 games. That's pretty good. That was his swan song, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He got arguably better with age. All right. One last question for you about this team. Positionally, can we put them? Can we put our forwards at, at positions that aren't their officially listed position? No. So I can't like have Guy Carbonneau playing a wing, for instance, like Patrice Bergeron plays the wing on Team Canada. No, and it really killed me because I really wanted to play Joe Malone, but I couldn't couldn't play him because of the wings. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with one of one of the guys I want because I don't think his position was even really established when when he played. Oh, hey, who is it? Nuzi Lalonde. Yeah, I would say I would say Lalonde is a left wing. At least that's that's I where I have him on the too. team. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I think I think we're ready to go. Okay. So who is your top line? You want me to start? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm, I'm going to go with uh, chemistry. And I'm going to try to keep together some lines that worked really well together rather than splitting up the arrows. And then if my I'm team has... To... Oh, keep going. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm trying to keep together certain pairings. So not necessarily lines, but... My first line is the only line I've kept fully together. All right. And I think, and if the team struggles a bit, I'll shake things up. You know, I'll put, switch up the line combos. Uh, but I'm going to start with um, the greatest line on the greatest dynasty in hockey history and go left wing, Dickie Moore, center, Jean Béliveau, right wing, Maurice Richard. Okay, well, I have... The even better Maurice Richard line as my first line. I've got Tobley, Elmer Locke, and The Rocket is my top line. The punch line, which most hockey analysts would say it's the punch line or the production line, which is Detroit's Ted Lindsay, um, Sid Abel, or Alex Delvecchio. But uh, Delvecchio was later with Mahovlich. But anyway, Lindsay, Abel, and Howe is the production line. And most analysts would say it's the puncher production as the greatest ever. All right. This is interesting. Toe Blake doesn't even make my team. Really? Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, 
I've got him as a at I've got him in as a player assistant because I think that like I really like the player coaches and player managers because <laughs> for instance Scotty's like when you're a player you've got a better understanding of the team's spirit than coaches in my opinion. I've never coached a team so maybe I don't have I have some personal bias and I have played on teams obviously but I think that I think that it would be cool, like, Blake plays on the line, he's with the boys, and then if there's problems, he's like, hey, Scotty, there's problems here, maybe we need to mix it up. Um, so you, Blake is like a player coach for you? Yeah, he's a player coach. Um, and he's a darn good player. Heart Trophy winner. Now, for, for our um, 1950s dynasty nerds out there, um, I know that Henri Richard often played center with his brother and Dickie Moore. I'm aware of that. And I know Billy Vaux played on the second line. With um, Homestead. Yeah, and, and Boom Boom, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, but That's an insane top two Yeah, lines. it's pretty good. But I think Billy Vaux can slot up into that first line between um, between Dickie and, and Rocket. Yeah, okay. But I like, I like keeping the punchline together. That's kind of nice. What is your second line? My second line, again, I'm going to go with a, a set line. So this is the greatest line on the greatest team ever, namely the 77 Canadians. Um, so, um, Wait, pause. About the, your greatest line on Greatest Dynasty, didn't a couple episodes ago you say the Islanders were the greatest dynasty ever? Yeah, I did. So you changed your mind? Maybe. I mean, we're doing Hab-centric. Oh, true. Okay. I mean, I think the Islanders probably the fact that they did it in it. 21-team league rather than a 16-team league, I'd give it to the Islanders. But, okay, the greatest Habs dynasty, let's say. But the 77 Habs were definitely the greatest team ever. And their top line was Steve Schott at left wing, Jacques Lemaire at center, and Guy Lafleur at right wing. And I really like this line because um, Lafleur is the greatest offensive weapon in Canadians' history. He was winning scoring titles and heart trophies. Dominant player. Um, Steve Schutt that year also scored 60 goals, tying Lafleur for the most ever in a single season. And then you had Le Maire down the middle, who was... By the Habs. By a Hab. Just for clarity, you said the most goals ever in a season. Keep going now. Um, no, I'm done. Good. What's your second line? Okay, so, I'm, I'm sorry for that interruption, by the way. Um, I've got, same as you with Le Maire and Guy playing together... But I decided to add New Zealand as my left wing, Ooh, just because I thought I thought it would just be fun to mix it up. I felt like Shut was good, but I was sort of on the fence about Shut making my team until the very end. So I decided to say, well, how about we try Lalonde with them, and we try sniper with playmaking and sniper with defensiveness. And I thought I thought that would be interesting to see because Guy could snipe, but he was also a great playmaker. So you've got maybe the greatest playmaker in Habs history, maybe the greatest two-way player. He's not the best defensive forward in Habs history, and one of the best snipers in Habs history together. I like it. What's your third line? Um, so my third line, I decided to third and fourth lines. I'm mixing up eras, but I'm going with similar kinds of players. So my third line. I have the aforementioned Nuzi Lalonde on left wing, so the first great offensive star in Canadian's history. This is my speed line. I have Lalonde at left wing, Howie Morenz at center, and Yvan Cournoyer at right wing. 
Okay, that's interesting. That's that's very interesting. My third line, I I don't mix up the eras. I have all guys from the same era who never played together. I've got Dickie Moore, Jean Bedivo, and Boom Boom. Jeff oh, Hannah. nice. Well, I'm so, sure they played together at some point. Yeah, but like they they weren't a set line, even oh, yeah. though they could have been at the time. Um, oh, and we forgot to mention Moore in our 50s Habs dynasty guy because he was arguably their best player through the latter years of that dynasty. Um, anyway, I like this line because Moore is a great, great passer, and he's playing with Boom Boom Jeffrion, who, if you hadn't been able to know by his nickname, had a wicked slap shot, and he has claimed to invent the slap shot, although these days some people also think that it might have been from a black hockey league. Um... I like that. And then Betty Vole, he's just, you already said a lot about him. He's hes maybe the greatest Hab of all time, just in terms of like being a person of the Hab. Probably not for playing-wise, but just for being an executive for forever for the Habs too. And just being such a character and such a local legend. thats That's my take on my third line. Your fourth line. Uh, so if my third line was all about speed, certainly Morenz and Colnoyer are maybe the two fastest players, according to legend in Habs history. Um, although yeah. I think Paul, Paul Byron probably hasn't beat. Yeah. Um, my fourth line is all about defense. And I've been thinking about this in light of what the Dano line has been doing in the playoffs. What's that stat we heard the other yesterday? That 180 minutes at 5-on-5 five five without Gallagher and Dano together. No, with Gallagher. With Gallagher and Dano together, not allowing a goal. Was it 180 minutes? Yeah, 180 in a row. At five on five without allowing a single goal. So that's incredible. So my my fourth line, though we do have Le Maire as a very good defensive center, my fourth line is all defense. So I have Bob Gainey, a left wing, considered by many people to be the greatest defensive forward who ever played. Uh, Guy Calbonneau at center, um, who is... um, just inducted into the Hall of Fame really largely for his defensive play. And at right wing, the guy who was the model on which those guys were based, Claude Provost, who actually had more offense than those guys. Claude Provost finished in top 10 in scoring a couple of times. He did? Yeah. And really? um, But considered to be the main defensive forward on the 50s Habs dynasty and into the 60s. I think he's one of their games, all-time games played leaders, too. He's around for a really long time. 1,089 so, games? Sure, if you say so. Anyway, I think that fourth line could shut down anybody. If we're playing the all-time Penguins team, the all-time Oilers team, watch out, Mario, watch out, Gretzky, because the Calbano gainey Provo line is shutting you down. Okay, so for my final left wing, I have a guy written in here, but this was one I just had to really think about hard. So I'm actually going to let you choose my fourth line left winger out of these two <laughs> options. I want Steve Shutt or Real Joliet. The case for Shutt is that single season dominance, as you said, he has the most goals ever in a single season for Habs player. You already talked large about Shutt, but for Joliet, he's a legend. He wore the cap when he played hockey, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> he played with Marenz a lot, and I have Marenz as my center on that line. Also, though, an, a stat I had no clue about until um, a couple days ago when I was researching. Joliet is third all-time in Habs adjusted points. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. 
And um, so to be a hundred percent honest, I want Joliet. I think you should go with Joliet. I mean, okay, I had sure. I had shot on my second line, but that's really because of his chemistry with Le Maire and Lafleur. Yeah, he's he's the weak link on that line, which is a weird thing to say for a guy who scored sixty goals in a year. But okay, well, also me and you, great minds think alike, right? I've got Marenz and Conway playing together because who could ever who could ever <laughs> skate faster than? Yeah, oh, you you put them together too. What well, was Joliet? Then that's another speed line. Ooh, that's that's quick. Yeah, great. And Guy and Lalonde were both pretty fast too. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Do you have a fifth line? Do I, yeah, my, my subs, well, the same guys you mentioned, Joliette is my sub left wing, Boom Boom Geoffrion is my sub right wing, and then my sub center is going to be Henri Richard, and I really agonized over this, because you probably should say I should just take Guy Carbonneau off the team, but I really want to have that defensive line, and so I have to pick between Elmer Locke and Henri Richard, and that's a tough choice because Elmer Locke had definitely the greater peak than Henri Richard. Two scoring titles. Two scoring titles, a heart trophy. I think his, he, at his peak he was better. On the other hand, Henri Richard was around forever, won 11 Stanley Cups, more than any player in any of the North American professional sports has won titles. He was, as a player. As a player, Bagel yeah. won 17. And he was also considered to be a really good all-around player, a good defensive player. Um, and there was, there was an interesting anecdote, just to pause on this for a bit, about how when he first came up, um, Toe Blake didn't want to put the two Richards on the line together because he was worried that the Rocket would spend all his time either passing to his brother or trying to s stand up for his brother. And he finally put them together on a line. And it was kind of true. Apparently, the Rocket was always going over to like beat people up who he thought were going too hard on his little brother. <laughs> and then one game, the That's Rocket... That's very Rocket. <laughs> it is the Rocket. And one game, the Rocket was in the box and Henri got in a fight. And won the fight, and after that, the Rocket said, "Okay, little, little guy can stick up for himself." Um, and so I don't, I don't know he how was, true that story is, but I like that story. He was a little guy, only five seven, but that's that says he's five seven, one hundred sixty pounds, probably a lot shorter than that. Yeah, five seven in skates, let's say. Um, and his nickname was the Pocket Rocket. His brother's nickname was the Rocket, and the Pocket Rocket because. Richard um, Jr., well, the younger one, you could take, pick up, and put him in your pocket because he was small. <laughs> anyway, my fifth line is Steve Schutt, same center as you, Henri Richard, and Claude Provo. Oh, yeah, nice. So we basically have the same players on our team. Yeah, except uh, I, I, have, I have Locke and... Toe Blake. Blake, and you have Ganey and Carbo. Right, all right. Well, that shows, that shows the type of team we're going for. It's interesting, though. Two of my guys on my first line, you don't have at all. Didn't even make it. Well, that's because you went with keeping the lines together, and I decided on, on different lines, different yeah. kind of iconic lines. Who's your top D pair? By the way, just a little bit about D pairs. Left and right defensemen are not fully necessary. Like there's a, you, you can mix them up. But for me, I decided to go with like left and right defensemen, except for one lefty who I moved to the right. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to that. I figured these guys had so much talent, they could sort it out. Yeah, okay. So who's your top pairing? No-brainer. Doug Harvey, Larry Robinson. 
Okay. Um, do you want to explain them a bit? Sure. So Doug Harvey is consensus, probably top three defensemen in NHL history. Yeah. Uh, I forget how many Norris trophies he won. Five with the Habs? Well, he, he won one with the Rangers. Right. But in, in total um, with the Habs... He won six. Six, I think. and then one with the Rangers after. Yeah, six, six Norris's with the Habs, and six in seven years. And the one year he didn't was he was a second team All Star. And um, considered to be, you know, before Bobby Orr, one of the one of the first defensemen to really kind of jump up and and um, uh, support the the offense uh, was very strong defensively and. Uh, I grew up playing in an arena named after him because he was from the same neighborhood NDG in Montreal as I'm from. When I think of Doug Harvey, I think of two things. A perfect positioning two sticks lengths away on defense <laughs> with one hand up, just like the typical defenseman photo you see. And the other one is from his own blue line, a hard crisp pass into the future for a, for Richard streaking down the right side. I like that image. Um, yeah, so my top pairing, I have Harvey and Butch Bouchard because I, Robinson's also a left defenseman and Butch Bouchard, um, I feel like he's, he's, he's often overlooked. He's a guy who's been sort of forgotten through time a bit. Um, Bouchard has his number retired with the Habs, which is a great honor because, and he's a Hall of Famer, um, four-time First or second team all-star, three-time first team all-star. Never won any awards, but was very solid and was a captain of many cup-winning teams. It's a good pick. I have him on my team, but not quite so high. So you don't have Larry on your first pairing. Well, I've got him second. I second did, pairing. Yeah. I was thinking Larry or Harvey, but I felt like maybe maybe Larry should be on the second pairing because he's on both of my um, top special teams units. <laughs> you don't want him to eat too many minutes? I mean, I feel like he could eat 60 minutes a game if he wanted to, but when it comes down to Harvey or Larry, it's a toss-up. So I, I just decided to say, well, since Larry's already playing so much, maybe we put him on the second pairing. Anyway, I've got Larry, um, the all-time leader in Habs, point shares according, and he's the greatest player according to Hockey Reference, although point shares, I'm sort of like edging away from that stat, and um, my guy on the right is actually Lefty, who I decided to move to the right, it's um, Andre Markov. Wow! I didn't watch Markov play, but when I did, he always struck me as just, wow, this guy's awesome. So, do you want to talk a bit about Markov? I know it's a very hipster pick. It's like not. <laughs> it's not. It's not a standard pick for a second pairing on Habs all time. But I just, I feel like in the short time I watched him play as like a thirty-seven-year-old and thirty-eight-year-old, he was awesome. Yeah, Markov was um, a really elegant player who um, was a great skater and real kind of offensive force, uh, and then ran into a whole series of injuries. And had a ton of surgeries, and he missed, I don't remember what it is, like the better part of two or three seasons in a row with all these injuries. And by the time he came back from those, as you say, he was in his mid-30s and could no longer skate the way he had before. His skating was incredibly diminished, and he kind of became this amazing penalty-killing specialist, 
Um, he be, he was able to dictate the pace of the game without very much speed and having to reinvent his his game a lot. Um, and Markov was famous for making guys who he played with look much better than they actually were. With the um, great example being Mike Komisarek, who <laughs> looked looked like a fantastic physical top pairing D man when he played with Markov, and the Leafs went off and signed him to a huge deal as a free agent and a year later he was basically sitting in the stands very leafsy moment very to be leafsy. honest but in the to, to be fair to the leafs commissaric did look great and markov it was all it was all just playing with markov um markov despite being a very shy guy fan favorite um because he's just such an elegant player also markov larry's already so good imagine larry becoming like twice as good with Markov. He would be absolutely unstoppable. Mm. Well, I, I have on my second pairing uh, the 1960s and 70s equivalent of Markov, which is Serge Savard, uh, who I think had very much the same kind of elegance to his game and ability to do all of the little things right and kind of be everywhere on the ice. And then I have with him uh, arguably the greatest offensive defenseman in Habs history, Guy Lapointe. Who scored how many goals in the season? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, definitely. Was it more, more or less than Sheldon Surrey ended up getting? Here, here, I'll, I'll look it up quickly, okay? Yeah. Anyway, I love that point. I love his character. I love his exuberance. So yeah, I've got three out of the four 70s big three in my top two pairings. Okay, so for for three years together of that point, he scored 28, 21, and 25 goals. Um, for a total of 74 goals in three years as a D-man. He also had 219 points in those 234 games. Um, so yeah, your your second pairing is my third pairing. I've got Lapointe and Savard. Um, I, I, like, I like this pairing a lot because Savard is very stay-at-home. He, he had one 20-goal season as a defenseman, and I don't think he ever had any other very good offensive season. Um... That point, on the other hand, is a guy who would jump up in the rush. Very offensive player, Savard, very defensive player. Yeah, so Savard had one 20-goal season, and he had one other 12-goal season, and that was it for his seasons of um, multi-digit goals. Your third pairing? Um, I will say about Savard, though, that he, in the in the playoffs, contributed a lot offensively. Yes, he was awesome. I mean, he won a Conn Smythe Trophy, right? Yeah. Um, 10 points in 14 games that year. Uh, he and... won the 68-69 Smythe. Yeah. Which is interesting, considering he's known for his work in the late 70s dynasty. Correct. Uh, my third pairing, I have uh, Butch Bouchard, who you mentioned before. Uh, my third pairing is the is the physical pairing. Uh, and I have him with Chris Chelios. Oh. And I know Chris Chelios uh, probably is going to be better remembered as a Blackhawk, where he won two Norris trophies. Uh, but he did win the Norris trophy with the Habs. Uh, and at the moment that they traded him away for Denis Savard, he was just kind of reaching his peak. But we had a few good years of Chelios. And actually in his Habs time, he was a, a quicker, uh, younger defenseman um, then he became with the with the Blackhawks, but he already had that real kind of mean streak to him. By the time he started with the Blackhawks, he was already twenty nine, right. and it, it's it's a guy who played until he was forty eight. So 
Yeah, and he was, am- he was amazing old. with the Habs in there, particularly in 88-89, which is when he won the Norris. Uh, and was really, you know, willing to get into fights, though he would end up being a bigger fighter with the Blackhawks. Could score some goals, scored 20 goals in the season once. So I like him a lot. Bouchard. Um, okay, interesting. Do you want to do your fourth pairing before mine? Because my fourth pairing, it's got some things in you to work a bit. I mean, I, I know who it is, but it's it's something... It's going to be another one of your decisions. <laughs> I'm going to let you well, there's a So there's a lot of players, a lot of defensemen on the Habs who I considered. You have um, Jacques Laperriere, who won a Norris Trophy as the best defenseman in the NHL in the 60s. You have Tom Johnson, who won a Norris Trophy in the 50s, um, playing with Doug Harvey. You have somebody like Sprague Cleghorn from way back in the day, known as the, the meanest guy in the NHL. I thought about putting you know, him on there. I wanted him so bad. You wanted Sprague? Yeah, yeah I kind of wanted him too. But then but then I was just like, but who do you take off? Yeah, yeah. So, Sprague Cleghorn, by the way. Um, Yeah, he was... Uh, he had 80 penalty minutes once in a 24-game season. Uh, and he was second in Hart Trophy voting twice for the Habs. So in, I that, in that 24-game season, he scored 17 goals as a defenseman and had 26 points. Pretty impressive. Anyway, ultimately, I think I, I went with a little bit of recency bias. So I went with Markov, as you mentioned, and also P.K. Subban. Because uh, he, too, won a Norris Trophy and was really at the absolute peak of his game when he was traded away by the Habs for Shea Weber um, and continued to have. He had another couple of really prime seasons with the Predators where he was a top three defenseman in the league. But He was totally snubbed of the Norris in 2018. Yeah, he probably should have won two Norris trophies. Anyway, the one he had with the Habs at that, at that point, he was one of the most exciting and definitely the most lovable player the Habs have had in your lifetime. And um, should I go get my signed PK jersey? Maybe later. Anyway, I love I love PK, so I'm going with a PK Markov pairing. My fourth pairing. Oh, well, that well, that's a classic pairing from the Habs 2010 team um, and 2014 team that made the conference finals twice. Um, my third pairing is Tom Johnson, and I take back about letting you decide. I'm gonna put PK Subban over Chris Chelios just because. You have Chelios on your team. I like Johnson. He's a Norris winner. He's a tough guy. Um, he could he could rock him, sock him, as Cherry would say. Um, and he also played for the Bruins for a little while. And PK, what more to say about him? He was so, you know, he got he was treated when I was six. But when I watched him, he was by far my favorite player on the Habs. And he's still my favorite player of all time. And he was so electrifying with the Habs. And he donated $10 million to a children's hospital. He brought so much joy to the game, didn't he? Yeah, always always happy. Always smiling. Sounds a bit like Guy Lapointe, actually. Who sounds like he brought a ton of joy to the, to the arena. Mm-hmm. A lot of mischief, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell some of the Guy Lapointe pranks? Because those are pretty funny. As related in the game by Ken Dryden? Yeah, I like I like the one about ketchup in the shoes, and and um, the the hand trick when he shook the hand of Prime Minister. Yeah, when Pierre Trudeau came to shake his hand, and he had Vaseline in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and the ketchup, like imagine being Dryden and just going to put on your trousers and finding Guilla Point, put a bunch of ketchup. Oh, and there's that. Oh, there's another one. 
um, where people would go in the shower and sing, and he would dump a bucket of ice on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, a good a good beer league trick as well. That sometimes happens in the shower at Williamsburg Jet games, where somebody dumps a not a bucket of ice, but a water water bottle filled with cold water on someone who's in the shower. Who's your Who's your top goalie now? My starting goalie. Well, I mean, if we have to just win one game, I'm going to put Patrick Roy in nets. If we're going for the the franchise-building career, I'm going to start Jacques Plante. Yeah, okay, well, um, would you let... Make up your mind. Five, four... What, who's my number one, who's my number two? Yeah. All right, Plante's my number one, Roy's my number two. Okay, uh, same here. All right, who's your number three? Well, that's that's a bigger question, but first let's talk about Plantarois just a bit. Okay. Jacques Plant um won a heart trophy as a goalie. Uh, he won he won five Stanley Cups in a row with the Habs. He's the greatest Habs goalie of all time, and I'd say I've said it before on this podcast, I think. I think he's the second best goalie of all time. Um he won Six Vezinas with the Habs and another one with St. Louis um, when he had a 940 save percentage. And that wasn't even his best year as he had another season where he played 40 games and had 944 save percentage with Toronto. But anyways, six Vezinas with the Habs, Hart Trophy winner, um, so many Stanley Cups, what more to say? Have you told the story of the mask yet on this podcast? No, I haven't. So he took a big slapper to the face from Andy Bathgate. His nose was broken. He was bleeding all over. He had to go to the quiet room. But back then, they didn't have backup goalies. So he had to come back and play. And Critical detail. Back then, no goalies wore masks. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, well, <laughs> isn't that the story? So then he said to Toe Blake, who was the coach at the time, I want to wear a mask. And Toe Blake was like, nah, you baby. Keep playing. So Plant kept playing, and he got another puck to the face, and he said, Toe, I'm not going to play again for this hockey team if I don't wear a mask. So he put on the mask, and he was incredible. He was fearless. Didn't he win 17 games in a row or something after he put on the mask? Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly which year it was he put on the mask. 59. 59. Oh, it was 59 season. He saved 925. Pretty slick. So, yeah, he's, he's a great innovator. The one thing about Plante is that those incredible statistics that he had when he was so old late in his career, in his late 30s, early 40s, were not with the Habs. On the other hand, Roy... Well, his uh, first year of real sustain, of save percentage in the NHL was with the Habs, and he saved 930. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Roy, too, was um, great with the Habs, won three Vezina trophies, um, Won the Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP twice. Led two fairly improbable teams to the Stanley Cup. But he only had a half career with the Habs as well. He had his, his second career with the Avalanche where he won two more Cups and another playoff MVP. Only player ever to win was, three playoff MVPs. I do think he was much better with the Habs. He won no Vezinas with the Avalanche. He won one Smythe, one Jennings, one first-team All-Star. With the Habs, he was first-team All-Star four times. Uh, Three times, sorry. Um, second team All-Star twice, All-Rookie. Two Smythes. Um, f- four Jennings. And two Vezinas. Um, who's your third string? I want to hear yours before I say mine. 
I have a feeling we're going to be the same. Well, I had so much difficulty with this. I thought about George Fezina. I thought about George Hainsworth, Bill Dernan, Ken Dryden. Oh, so it is in German. In the end, I went with Carey Price. Just because I wanted somebody from the current team. And since Habs fans are always talking about the past, here we have a team before us with an actual all-time Habs great who this week and next could really cement his status in the Habs pantheon. He's already um, second all-time. No, he's first all-time in wins, right, for the Habs? Yeah, yeah. Remember, we, we, we were at the game where he set the record. Right, right. So he's... That awesome 5-1 win versus the Flyers. He's probably in their top two or three all-time in save percentage, I would assume. I assume in all the statistical categories, Carey Price is near the top. He's 917 career. He's won everything else. He's won the World Championship, the I mean the World Junior Championship. He's won the Olympics. Uh, he's won the Vesna. He's won the Hart Trophy. The Lindsay. Yeah, he just needs this cup. So I'm putting him as my third stringer. This is the year. <laughs> okay, so for my third string goalie, um, sorry, Carrie, I did want you, but eventually I had to go with it. In my opinion, the better goalie, Bill Dernan. He was. He, he started his career as a 28-year-old, only played seven years in the NHL. In those seven years, won six Vezinas, was six times um, a first or second team All-Star. And the one year he wasn't, he still played 59 games and was 277 goals against average. Every single year, except that one 277 year, he was in the NHL, he led the league in goals against average. And I assume when they go back and end up calculating the 40 save percentages, he would be above and beyond anyone else. And notable for having been the captain of the team, right? Yeah, <laughs> and notable for having a super terrible sweater. <laughs> and he for was... being ambidextrous. And yeah, he wore, he wore two gloves. And finally, notable for having the second arena I played in, my our other home arena when I was a kid, named after him. I've got three innovators on in my goalies. I've got the first goalie to wear a mask, the goalie who didn't invent, Glenn Hall did, but popularized the butterfly, and a two-gloved goalie. Hmm. Carey Price has also been an innovator in his own way in terms of minimizing the movement that a goalie yeah. makes. Is, there hasn't been anyone ever who has looked so kind of calm and immobile in the net while covering so much net as Carey Price. Exactly. Always in position. Always in position. Which, when he's bad, makes him look like he doesn't care. Like when he's not quite on and he's the pucks go by him and he doesn't really seem to react, you think, what's wrong with him? But mm-hmm. anyway. It's hard it's when enough. someone's shooting a little rubber disc 100 miles an hour at you. <laughs> um, who's your captain? Uh... My captain is, there's so many good options. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Maurice Richard. Oh, okay. Um, he's my assistant. Talk about Richard being your captain over my captain, Jean Beliveau. I'm going to go with the Rocket because of what he represents to Quebec and to the franchise. Yeah. And he is, he's this kind of... Um, this icon in Quebec, he's almost like a, a like a, a civic deity. Um, like Maradona in Napoli. Kind of like, except he's from Montreal, unlike yeah, Maradona. Sure. Um, 
and w without the without all of the kind of sordid details of Maradona's end in Napoli. But yeah, he's kind of elevated into the status beyond what he actually was as a human being. And as a human being, he's a very kind of humble, self-effacing man. But I love the idea of him as a captain. People literally rioted when he got suspended. Mm -hmm. Famous story. I have my captain, Jean Bedivaux. I have him because he's got the most Stanley Cups ever for a captain. But also, like you said about Richard, Richard is quiet, shy, and to an extent didn't even really want all of the attention. He just sort of... He wanted he wanted to be a good hockey player, but he didn't. He like if he didn't want to be an icon. I'm sure he's fine with being an icon because who wouldn't be? Um, but Betty Vol on the other hand was this outgoing fan favorite, um, local legend personality who is maybe the greatest role model in hockey history. Um, that being said, I have Richard as my assistant, and my other assistant, although it was close, I have Serge Savard, because I wanted Savard or Conoyer, because I wanted a representative from the 70s, and then I just thought, well, I got I got two forwards, I might as well put a demon mm -hmm. in this, the assistant. Yeah, I like those picks. I think I would just have um, uh, Bélivo as as an alternate, and then some somebody more recent as an alternate, maybe Carbono. Okay, yeah, that's that's. Since he was was the captain of the last cup winning team and great leader in Montreal. Probably would have Carbo on, but I don't actually have him on my team. Who's your coach? Scotty Bowman. Yeah, all same here. Greatest, greatest coach. Greatest coach of all time. Greatest with the Habs. Montreal born guy too. Once won four cups in a row with them. Um, you know, something you hear about Scotty Bowman a lot is that his players didn't like him, but they appreciated him because they knew that they had all the talent, but if not for Scotty, they wouldn't be winning all those good silver trophies. Yeah, correct. I mean, and talk about an innovator. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. This guy won cups with three different teams, very different kinds of teams. The seventies Habs were a very kind of... Ultimately, pretty defensive-minded team, very well structured. And then he went and he won with the '91 Penguins, super <laughs> offensive. And then the Red Wings were sort of in between. Like in '97, they were more offensive. In 2002, they were more defensive. Yeah, and he put together the Russian Five, and that was a huge innovation in, in the NHL. Yep. Um, who are your assistants? I already went over Blake as my assistant. I talked about that, but who's your assistant? Uh, I mean, if I can get Toe Blake around this team, I'll stick him in there as an assistant. I hadn't really thought about assistants, but yeah. Toe, Toe Blake and Pat Burns. I've got Dick Irvin Sr. as my other one, but, you know, they're, they're a toss-up. I just like Irvin because I want to represent the greatest Habs teams. Yeah. And Burns was there for a couple of great ones, um, but Irvin was like the cup winner, Richard's mentor, all that stuff. I want Burns just so that if any of the guys on the team start causing trouble, he can say to the press, "I qui mange la merde. And he can throw a <laughs> cup of coffee at them. <laughs> also, he looks like my dad. Okay, well, my GM is Pollock. My assistant's Frank J. Selkie, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, no difference argument. With you. Greatest GM ever, second greatest GM ever. Sure. My mascot's Yuppie. My trumpeter is Kid Mercury. <laughs> Um, I know I went a bit all in with this team. My announcer is in English. I've got Dick Irvin Jr. and Danny Galvin. And for French, I have René Le Cavalier. 
<laughs> I love it. Do you do you have any of those things? Well, you should uh, um, you should add what's his name? Who we listen to now? Is it um, F- Felix? Who who does the? I also like Pierre Houd. You like Pierre Houd? Yeah, Pierre Houd in there with René Le Cavalier. This is funny. Well, but I love René it. Le Cavalier is just. He's who's, who's your afternoon sports talk radio host? Mitch. <laughs> Mitch Melnick. <laughs> with Chris Nyland as a special guest? Yeah. <laughs> um, who's your who's your who's your writer? My beat reporter? Yeah. Michael Farber. Oh, okay. Uh, you take Farber. <laughs> I'll take um Stu Going and Pat Hickey. <laughs> oh man, you thought it all out. Okay, anyway. Uh, do you want to do power play units now? Sure. Wait, who's your first unit? My first unit, I'm going to have uh, on the point, uh, Doug Harvey and Guy Lafleur manning a point. Yeah. And um, on the wings, do you, do you know that Yvan Colnoyer, uh, when he first came up, this is another Toe Blake story, Toe Blake didn't think Colnoyer was good enough defensively to play a regular shift. It's so weird it, how Blake and Colnoyer overlapped. Yeah, it is weird, right? Well, yeah. Colnoyer came up in the early 60s. Yeah. And so he wouldn't play Colnoyer except on the power play. And there's some stat of like, I don't know what year it was, one of his early years, he had 26 goals and 24 of them were on the power play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. So I apparently he was this amazing power play specialist, which I believe because he had a great shot and sick hands and lots of speed. He's He's like... Paul Byron, but like a thousand times as good. Yeah, and also apparently not good defensively, according to Toe Blake. But well, Byron is good, but but, but Conway, like many other Habs players, sort of evolved over his career. I mean, he must. He was the captain of the team under Scotty Bowman, so he yeah. must have been pretty good defensively. All right, so I'm putting Conway on the right wing, Steve Shot on the left, and um, Jean Bedivaux. The man who broke the power play rules in the NHL as my center. Yeah, okay. So I've got Robinson, like, in the left center point. Um, like, on the left side because Guy can go back to the right, but also in the center because Guy is at the top of my right circle to unleash shots. Like, he's sort of in the Nick Suzuki role. Okay. Um, I've got Moore and Richard at the left and right uh, face-off dots, and I've got Bevo. Um, below the hash mark, sort of in a bumper roll, but if there's a rebound, he goes front of the net and bangs it in. Nice. Who's your second unit? I hadn't really thought about this, but I guess I need to have the wingers you had on your first unit, Moore and Richard. Um, and then I guess, I guess I would put Morenz in there as my center. Yeah. Um, and then at the points, I would put... Man, I'd put Subban out there, but he's, he's not on my starting team. He's in my... Uh, so I put at the points um, Lapointe and Harvey. Okay, so for my uh, second power play unit, I've got Lalonde towards the left of the crease, but, you know, sort mm-hmm. of in front of the net, can can go to the front of the net, but sort of at the left because he's a left wing. I've got Locke a bit below the face-off dot so he can pass it back to the top of the right face-off circle for Boom Boom to uncourse one un. Um, Cork, one of his wicked slap shots. I've got Morenz near the bottom hash of the right circle, and I've got Lepointman in the left point. <laughs> Who's Sounds your... like you should be coaching the team, not Scotty. Okay, well, maybe, mm. but I made the team. You can you can go on as the power play coach. Yes, yeah, sure. Kirk Muller apparently is busy. 
<laughs> um, who who's your penalty kill unit? Oh, this is this is easy. I've got some real top notch penalty killers. My first unit, uh, I guess I'll have Calbano and Ganey as the forwards, and um, Chelios and Bouchard as the D men. Yeah, I think that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay, so for my first unit penalty kill, I have I have um just in case. If Claude Provo is playing, Jacques Lemaire moves to the left front, and Provo assumes the front right. But Provo isn't playing on a regular basis, so I decided to mix it up a bit here. So I feel like the average power play unit um, is a guy in the center of the point, two guys at the top of the circle, and two guys at the bottom of the circle. And so I've got Serge Savard in front of the net. Between the two guys at the bottom of the circle, I've got... Bouchard and Harvey in between the guy at the top and bottom of the circle, and I've got Lemaire in between the triangle of top of the circle and point. May I note for the listeners that William Woodsworth has drawn all of this out. Yeah, I did. Uh, including full drawings of the face-off circles and the lines, and um, he has just innovated a new penalty-killing setup. This is not people playing the box. This is people playing the diamond. Yeah. And it's three D-men on the penalty kill. Wow, that's that's very. I feel impressive. like I decided I decided to go with offense on the offense and defense on the defense, like and and I stuck by that the whole time. So, might as well take more defense. But I then, have made no drawings <laughs> or um, charted this out. But I really admire your preparation for this episode. Who's your second penalty kill unit? Did you draw these in Zoom? Yes, I did. You yeah. Use the Zoom share whiteboard function. Yeah. That's amazing. This is really cool. I wish you could share your screen right now with all the listeners to show them the work you put into this. Well, most people would know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, who's your second penalty kill unit? Well, I guess my forwards would have to be uh, Lemaire and Provo, like you were just talking about, and my D-men would have to be um, Doug Harvey and Serge Savard. Okay, so this time I went with the typical unit. I went with the box. I went with Andre Markov on the right. Larry Robinson on the left, covering the bottom of the circle guys in lock, and Blake in between the bottom of the circle and top of the circle guys, who can, and probably Locke and maybe Blake can step up. And Locke, I'd never known this before I started researching. According to um, Hockey um, Legends of Hockey, which is the official Hockey Hall of Fame website, which has great and detailed write-ups for every player, Elmer Locke was as good in his own end as in the other end. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my team. Um, for all you listeners, if you have my email, you can email me. Who do you think has a better team, me or my dad? <laughs>